Hosanna, a fellowship with Christians. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hosanna this morning and happy Easter to you. We're going to start out this service with a call to worship and Kelly's going to get us started. Good morning. We are not eyewitnesses to an event as were Mary and the disciples. We have not journeyed through a dangerous city to seek answers or consolation. We have not seen angels gathering at the rim of this day or wept in the garden this morning because we could not find him. But we are here to attest to a story that has not lost its power during 20 centuries of change and conflict. We are here because those before us carried this story as if it were precious gold, cherished it as if it were the key to a hidden wisdom. Sisters and brothers in Christ, take your places here today in celebration and in awe. What you are about to hear again has the capacity to change the world. Your very presence attests to the rising up of life from the tomb of despair and to the uncontrollable power of God. It is Easter morning again, and we will celebrate. Look around. It doesn't take long to recognize the brokenness surrounding us. Division, hatred, fear, uncertainty. The pain we're witnessing is real, and the need for a savior is undeniable. It's this need which broke the heart of God and moved him to do the unimaginable. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son to change our eternity, to be the perfect sacrifice for us. Love on a cross, dying once for all, laid to rest in the darkness of a tomb. Today, as we face so many unknowns, may we remember the simple truth of Easter. The stone has been rolled away. The grave is empty. Jesus is alive. And love has risen. celebrate the good news of God's love. We are called to be Easter people. Darkness cannot claim us. Fear, Fear cannot bind us. Christ is risen. Christ, Christ is, is risen, risen indeed. indeed. Amen. Amen. And indeed, Christ is risen. Let's stand together and celebrate that we too are called by name and are alive in Christ. I was buried beneath my shame.
have a seat.
there. Beautiful. And yes, our Savior lives. Wow, can we agree here this morning that there is no other name above the name of Jesus? Can we all agree? You know, death could not hold him, and he has no rival. He has no equal, and there is nothing above his name.
Now if I can get everybody else to stand. Let's all stand together for this last song.
You know, I appreciate him keep saying because I lost my voice. I couldn't sing it. <laughs> but he is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ, you are risen with the sun. You are light in darkness, warmth in our cold. You are peace and hope and joy, for you went willingly to death. You turn defeat and failure, failure to victory for all. You live eternally, and with you all the living and the dead who trust in you. May the covenant sealed in your blood through us bring healing and reconciliation to this wounded world. And everyone, hallelujah, hallelujah. You, you are risen. We, we are, are risen, risen with you. you. Praise and glory to, to the, the living God. God. And you may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. He has risen indeed, hasn't he? And just like the kids sang, he is a victorious God. It's good to see all of you this morning, and it's good to have all of our folks with us online. And Jeff is coming to get everything ready for Tony and Joanne. We're going to pray before we take up our offering. Lord, we thank you that you are risen, and you are risen indeed. Lord, we thank you for your lavish love that you pour out on each and every one of us. And Lord, I thank you for these people who give of their time and their talents and their resources to honor your name, to bless others, and to spread your word. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers can pass the offering buckets. And guess what? It's Easter morning, and we have no announcements this morning. Isn't that cool? I am so excited. But I do want to share with you that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, this building was transformed into a beautiful walkthrough. Those of you, many of our Hosanna folks were present. Many from our community were present. And to walk through the contemplative suffering of our Savior. People left here moved by the art and the exhibit of Daniel Buffenmeyer. And people were crying, so moved, because there was a huge picture of Jesus right in the center. And so we just wanted to share with you our thanks for all of you for supporting that, what we did this weekend, and supporting Daniel. He was moved as well as so many people came. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Tony and Joanne. And I'm going to quit being distracted by my grandson that come up here and talk to <laughs> you guys. <laughs> yes. First word spoken. Did you want to say something? I was just going to say happy resurrection day. <laughs> the first word spoken by a minister at most weddings are something along the lines of, all rise, <laughs> as the bride appears and starts walking down the aisle. And the first words that we might hear from an announcer at a public sporting event might be, Please rise for the national anthem. <laughs> Whenever Handel's Hallelujah Chorus is publicly played, the audience still rises to their feet for the duration of the song, 280 years after that happened for the first time. Mm -hmm. So what is it about rising to our feet that feels so right in such moments? I think it's because it conveys that something significant is happening. And deserves not just the attention of our eyes, but the attention of our entire body. And maybe that's why we use the phrase when it, sometimes the, to rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. Other things rise too, of course. 
dough rises. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that's why you can, and perhaps should, go out to buy some rising crust pizza at the supermarket. <laughs> the sun also rises, which, yes. by the way, is the title of one of Ernest Hemingway's best novels. And, and an everyday occurrence that still somehow manages to enchant or enthrall us when the sun rises. Mm-hmm. Smoke rises, even from ashes. Mm-hmm. Smells rise in the containers that hold them, which is why we take the garbage <laughs> out once a week. Heat rises. Grades rise when you work hard at your studies, all you students. <laughs> Children's rise in height as children rise in height as they get older, older. Blood pressure rises when we get stressed. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> but here's one thing that humans have been fairly certain about. The dead do not rise. (laughs) They don't go up. The dead are made to go down (laughs) into the ground or historically in some places into a cave. Mm -hmm. And the placement there is permanent, right? A grave is covered again with, with earth, lots of it. And the opening of a cave in which bodies have been deposited is usually covered with a stone. Mm -hmm. And the covering there is to keep things out. It's not to keep dead bodies in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But one day that rule was broken. Yep. And once broken, it's broken forever. Mm-hmm. There's a new rule in place now for all of us. For on that day, God called out to the entire universe, all rise. And the one that rose first was proof, was the pattern, was the first fruits, if we want to use biblical language, so that all the rest of us would also allow ourselves to be risen from every kind of death and every kind of deathliness that's held us captive. As he is, so are we in this world. Mm -hmm. And if he is risen, we are risen. Yes. And that's the true awesomeness of Easter morning. It's not just that one person long ago has beaten, has risen from the grave. It's that all of us, all of humanity has been invited to rise with him. Yeah. Oh, that felt good. <laughs> so why did the Father raise him? Yeah. And why has God given us the same invitation to be risen with Christ? Let's answer that question today. Focusing on not on what he and I and we are risen from. Mm-hmm. We know that already, don't we? We've experienced that deathliness in our life. But let's focus today on what he and we are risen to. Yes. And yes. And literally, yes. Yes. That's the first point of our celebration this morning. That in the risen Christ, we are risen to a life of yes. Yes. As we hear so clearly in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, for the son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we preached among you, was not yes and no, But in him, it is always yes. And literally, what the the text says there is the ultimate and eternal yes has happened in him. See, Jesus is not double-minded. His heart is not vacillating back and forth between yes and no. Paul is declaring that in Christ, there is only yes. Now, moving into the next verse. In the end of the last verse, 19, in him it is always yes, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. 
And that really is something to celebrate, isn't it? In Christ, every promise that God has ever made has already been fulfilled. So when we give ourselves to him, he gives himself to us. And with him comes every promise of God already fulfilled in him and in our lives. That means that no matter what you're feeling, no matter how challenging circumstances may be, God's response to you and to me is always the same. Yes. Do you really love me, God? Yes. Will you provide what I need when I need it? Yes. Am I really forgiven and free? Yes, you are. Are you really working all things together for good in my life? It doesn't look like it. And oh, my yes is the answer. Yes. In him. It's always yes. yes. So here's the question, the real question. Are you enjoying the abundant fullness of God's yes to you in Christ? Really? Have you said yes to God's yes to you? Or are there ways in which you're saying no? Or maybe, or not now, God? See, this is the great dilemma that we humans have found ourselves in since the garden, right? God's great resounding yes echoed through every atom of creation. He spoke it all into existence, including us. And it was his love, his yes, was also resounding in the likeness and the image of God that we carry, all of us as human beings within us. And somehow, it's it, mind-blowing, but somehow, we said no to God's love. And that, since that moment in the garden, that has been the nature of what we call sin ever since. What is sin at its essence? Refusing to love and be loved as God loves. Saying no to receiving and offering the love that God is, the love that God has never stopped lavishing on us since the very beginning. What is sin? It's a standing apart from each other. It's standing away from God, turning ourselves away from God, even from our, ourselves, and choosing misery over the possibility of eternal goodness. But what incredibly good news we have this Easter morning. Jesus said yes to sharing in our suffering and death, so we can say yes to sharing in his eternal love and his abundant life. That is something to celebrate this morning. See, when we say yes to the risen Christ, we rise with him. We rise in him, not by our own power, no, Jesus didn't rise by his own power. He rose by the power of the Father who raised him, who loved him and loves all of us, and does the same for us in him. And in that resurrected life, which, you know, it is more than only physical, all of humanity's original God-given possibilities are already fulfilled in Christ. And, and can be fulfilled in every way, in every one of us, in every life. See, we can experience again that great interconnectedness that, that God designed in the very beginning 
that interconnectedness with creation, with all of us human beings, with God. See, we get to experience right now the fulfillment of what God began back then in Eden. And that's why it's, it's particularly interesting that when a distraught Mary Magdalene catches a glimpse of the risen Jesus, you know, right outside the tomb that first Easter morning, it's interesting that she mistakes him as the gardener. And maybe she wasn't wrong after all. He was the gardener, definitely the gardener of the new creation. The early Christians used to say that Sunday and shifted worship to Sunday because every day is Easter. But also they said it's the eighth day, seven days in the beginning of creation, and then God rested. And the eighth day is the day Jesus stepped out of the tomb, the first day of the new creation. See, that new creation began that first Easter morning and has continued to grow and to spread through the centuries, right here on earth as it already is in heaven. See, in him, eternal life is now. Yeah, it'll be in heaven someday. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It'll be great when we get there. But we get to start experiencing it right here and now. Now, it's not complete here yet. That's true. That's why we struggle with this idea. You know, we sometimes struggle with the idea of, okay, everything that's true will be true of us in heaven someday is true of us now. We struggle with that sometimes because we see around us so many consequences of billions of our nose echoing down through history, joining with our millions of no's every single day. So it's hard to believe that our yes to God will make any difference at all to ourselves, much less to others. But the invitation is to say yes anyway. To, to want so deeply to rise out of your own deathliness, out of your own tomb, and to experience so fully God's love for you that you begin to see so clearly what God's doing in the world around you that you want to participate in it. Not I have to, I get to, I want to participate in the fullness of all of these fulfilled promises now. I want, to be, I want to be part of it all with you, God. Jared was just telling me on Thursday night about a movie with an interesting premise, same one we're talking about. The movie's Yes Man. Uh, and he, I don't know, I never saw it. I'm not, I don't watch many Jim Carrey movies, but in Yes Man, Jim Carrey feels like... Yes Man. Yes, yes, ma'am. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. So in this movie, Jim Carrey feels like he's losing his life and he's losing his relationships, but he hears a, a motivational speaker encouraging him to say yes to everything. <laughs> so he does. And the results are hilarious, of course. And in the end... He does learn a bit about discernment. After all, there are times when it really is necessary to say no to some people. But the deeper wisdom is that saying yes is life-giving in life-changing ways. So many people never dare this, this kind of yes. 
But all of us can. All people can. Because a young woman named Mary said yes to God through an angel named Gabriel. And then conceived and birthed God's son on Christmas Day. So we could celebrate together on Easter morning that Jesus not only said yes, he is God's eternal yes, always. So how about us doing some daring of our own this morning? Are you game for an adventure? Why don't we try saying no to our no's and our maybes and our not now's? How about starting today, we say yes to God, and we say yes to God's risen son, and we say yes to a whole new way of living into the fullness of Christ's fulfillment of every promise of God for every one of us. Yes, right? <laughs> yes. It gets better. There's more. Mm. Jesus also showed us how intimate our relationship with God could be when we do say yes to God by allowing his disciples and, and through them to, to us glimpses of the intimacy of his relationship with the Father, whom he encouraged them to call, by the way, Abba. You know what that means? Daddy, or we might say it around here, good, good father. Papa. He couldn't wait to be alone with Abba, just as we long to be with the ones who know us best and love us most. But then came the suffering on the cross. And for the first and only time ever, Jesus in his humanness felt separated from and abandoned by the Father. And so he cried out in distress on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And many of us know that feeling of separation, don't we? Sometimes we can't hear or see or feel God in the darkness that life puts upon us or that our shame does or that even sometimes grace invites us into. Mm -hmm. So we talked about this last week, about how Jesus is with us in our sufferings. And it's gospel. It's good news that Jesus experienced that too along with us. But that we, were, we also said that God, Jesus was also to have the experience of discovering more ecstatic gospel eventually. That the Father had been there all along with him, supporting him, upholding him in his suffering. And there's this awesome depiction of the crucifixion that illustrates that. Yeah. Imagine the Father there behind, holding him up through all of that. And it was the Father, as Joanne said, that raised him from the dead. Jesus didn't just wake up and decide to walk out and have a stroll. The Father raised him to life and to the renewal of that experience of incredible, joy-filled intimacy. In other words, he was risen to a life of ecstatic union. And amazingly, God also invites us into that ecstatic union. Mm-hmm. If we dare say yes. Mm-hmm. In the garden, a man and a woman had separated themselves from God with their no. And we've all continued in that pattern. Mm-hmm. But God never abandoned them. He has never abandoned us. In fact, God has invited us back. And what does it mean to be invited back? Not just to be in peaceful terms with the God who is far away. Because sometimes that's what we settle for. Okay, God and I are not fighting anymore. It's cool. No, what he's invited us back to is oneness. Yeah. Ecstatic union. That oneness of God is actually what Jesus prayed for all of us the night before his crucifixion. It's what made the crucifixion worth it for him. Yeah. That we could be one with God in the way that he was one with the Father. 
It's why Jesus, after the resurrection, did something a little bit strange. He, he breathed on his disciples, it says. People don't talk about that passage a whole lot. I think it was just giving them a foretaste, giving them the hors d'oeuvres of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It would come more fully on Pentecost. Yeah. The Spirit who was his Spirit, who would not just walk beside them anymore. They were not just following after Jesus anymore from some distance behind him, but the, his Spirit who would actually dwell within them. That's intimacy, that's union. And that invitation is that we can, too, experience that kind of intimacy from the inside out with the God who loves us and always has. Mm -hmm. We say it often here at Hosanna, in part because it seems to be forgotten some other places. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you. Yes. It's part of the, the, the often forgotten heritage of our faith. Any of you know this old hymn? It's one that I was raised with. The church is one foundation. It's Jesus Christ our Lord. Its last verse has an amazing lyric. Yet she on earth hath union with God the three in one. There it is. Exactly. We are risen to a life of ecstatic union with Christ. Right. And the ecstatic union doesn't end there with the three in one. And the union that even we share individually with them. The hymn writer continues... Yet she on earth hath union with God the three in one, and continues, and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. Holy cow, the fact that the word mystic appears in a hymn makes me so happy. But yes. Mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. So it's more than simply Jesus and the Father and me with them. O oh, happy ones, O oh, holy Lord, give us the grace that we, like them, the meek and lowly, on high may dwell with thee. See, yeah, Tony says, did, I, did you know that hymn? I didn't know that hymn. This was one of Tony's UB hymns. And when he shared it on Friday during our message, message prep, I was surprised and amazed. I was surprised, as I said, that someone in 1866, when this hymn was written, would use those wonderful words, mystic, sweet communion, All right? And I was amazed that the United Brethren actually included it in their hymnal. And this, oh, is it in the Southern Baptist hymnal too? Yes. Oh, well, that's our heritage here in this place. All right, well, who knew? We didn't know. Mystic, you know, in the 20th century, that word mystic started taking on a yeah, let's just say it was a time when many Christians were narrowing their understanding of what gospel is. Because gospel is so much more than what Jesus did in the past or what heaven will be like in the future. Amazing as, as all of that was and will be on Easter morning, it's good to remember that every morning, every moment is an opportunity to rise and to be risen in Christ. And, that, and remember that resurrection... Tony's word is more gospelly than we may realize. So for instance, we're not risen only to a life of yes and a life of ecstatic union, but again, Tony's word, and we're also risen to a life of adhesive relationships with others, with others who are also risen in Christ. Now, 
What do we mean by adhesive? Right, yes, we're stuck. We can sing that little refrain. It's often that we're stuck with each other negatively. But then we were singing this little refrain on Friday. Remember from the commercial? Um, we're stuck on Band-Aid, because Band-Aid stuck on, yeah, right. Barry exactly. Manilow wrote that, that by right. the way. He just, did? Just tuck, yeah, just tuck that away. Barry Manilow? Back when he was writing jingles before he became a popular singer. But he is music, so we sing along. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway. Well, well, yes, that's, we are stuck with each other in some ways. People can and do switch churches. People can actually, and they do, walk away from relationships. But in a real sense, we can't actually... Um, we, we can't actually do that with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We might physically walk away, but we're joined together at a much deeper than Band-Aid level. We are one. As Tony was just saying at the Last Supper, Jesus is telling the disciples, this is what he wanted to talk about before he died. He's going on for several chapters in John. Father, I want them to be one like we are one, you and me, and me and you, and us and them. But it doesn't stop, but, and also them, one with each other. We are one in Christ. There is no in and out. We're all members of the same body of Christ. Paul said it to the Ephesians. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all. And that's fun. That's a fun word. The word there for over is a word that it doesn't mean like on top of controlling. One God and Father who is superimposed upon is the word. Superimposed upon us who is adhered to. That's the word, adhered, like adhesive. God, who is all, in all, superimposed upon and adhered to us all, over all, through all, and in all. That doesn't mean, however, that we, we lose our individual identities. We've talked about that before. It doesn't mean we all experience Christ in the same way. Why would we want to? Each one of us is a unique incarnation, a unique expression of some tiny, minuscule little molecule of the infinite God. No one else can reveal God in the way that you were created to reveal God and me. Yes, we matter in our uniqueness, right? But, and we don't experience Christ in the same way. But that doesn't mean that we're not one. The morning of the resurrection, Jesus and Mary Magdalene outside the tomb had a beautiful conversation she was so overwhelmed with gratitude that he was alive that apparently she embraced him tightly and wouldn't let him go. So Jesus gently asked her not to cling to him in that way. And he told her why. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave again. I'm going back to the Father. And the Spirit can come. 
and offer a more permanent, more intimate way for us to have relationship than you can even imagine right now, Mary. But you know what's interesting is later, Jesus does exactly the opposite with Thomas. He tells Mary, don't cling to me. But he says, come on, Thomas, come touch me, stick your fingers in my wounds. Interesting, isn't it? And we want to try to figure things out and make some kind of a rule about that. No. Thomas, see, Jesus relates to each of us in the uniqueness of each of us. He knows what each of us needs, what each of us wants, and how each of us grows. And so Thomas, he wasn't looking to cling to the old way of being with Jesus like Mary was. No, Thomas had been following around who was the last one that we see, who's actually, you know, of, of the original disciples, who's there saying, I, I just, I'm not going to believe it till I touch him for myself, till I see him and touch the wounds. He wasn't looking to cling to the old. He was longing to believe and to trust in Jesus' radical new way. We're saying that all to say this, that the same is true for us. Together, we are one body that cannot be divided. You can go to another church, you can walk, and bless you, because wherever we go, we're still one members of the same one body of Christ. Yet, we each adhere, right? Or use the biblical word. We each cleave to Christ and to each other in very different ways. And remembering that, is very free in gospel in a world that is so often demanding that we all believe and say and do exactly the same things. We have to walk in lockstep. You know, and if somebody doesn't, then we can cancel them. We just unfriend them on Facebook, or I don't know what's happening with Twitter right now, but oh well, right? And it's not just the world that does that. Many Christians do that to each other as well writing people out of their lives instead of seeking forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. I mean, hanging out with people intentionally, right? Who, who look and think and act the same, rather than intentionally risking the growth that comes from being in relationship with those who may be very different but are still sharing the same spirit with us. It's very challenging. It's a wonderful challenge. And wonderfully, God has even made us one with those who are no longer physically present in this world. That's part of the mystical part of this glorious gospel. It's not only that we are truly one, those of us living in flesh on the earth here now in Christ. Oh no. God has made us one with those who are no longer physically present. You know that great cloud of witnesses that the author of Hebrews talks about? or what the church, that's, that's the same group, but the church long ago started calling them the communion of saints. Communion, the oneness of the saints through all time, through all history. Body here on earth, physical, or transformed body on the other side, whatever that's gonna be like. Yeah, we are certainly very different from all of those who have come before us in Christ through the centuries, but we share what matters most with all of them 
even across all the cultures and all the centuries. What we share together is the lived experience of having been risen with Christ into a new shared way of being in this world and for all eternity. Maybe this oneness we have with each other is, is something that we might model for the world right now. It seems like they are literally dying for this experience. John says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And maybe if the world, all of those outside who are justifiably criticizing a lot of American Christianity right now, if they see these kinds of adhesive relationships in us, maybe they'll also want to know the one whose resurrected life in us makes that kind of human relationship possible. Yes, and amen. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> One of the things that attracted different kinds of people to Jesus was his miraculous power. He yeah. had done great things. We sang that this morning, right? The people of Israel had seen nothing like it. Jesus himself reported to John the Baptist what was going on. He said, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. It was startling. Not just in the power that was on display, but also in the love that had prompted all of that. And then even more startling power was revealed. Jesus was raised from the dead. Yes. And not to a mere resuscitation to extend life. He had done a few of those. But a true resurrection to a new kind of life. He had risen to a life of startling power. Yes. Now, what do we mean by startling? Well, he could still do the kind of miracles he had done before, after the resurrection. In fact, he even repeats a miracle that he had done early on in his ministry, where they the, the, helped the fishermen catch, some, catch a good load of fish. But he's also doing some new things. He's materializing at will. I love that. Jesus just suddenly shows up and then disappears. That was startling. He seemed to be living kind of on a different plane of existence. Maybe there's a clue. Mm-hmm. But that even, that's not the most startling part. He had just told the disciples something mind-blowing. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, <laughs> yes. and they will do even greater things than these. Uh-huh. Woohoo! We get to do miracles. Well, let's think about this. Mm-hmm. We're going to do even more powerful stuff than Jesus? Well, yes. Miracles do still happen sometimes. And some have happened here in this community of faith. Some of you have stories. Uh-huh. I had a little one this morning, actually. If it wasn't for God answering a prayer for me in the shower, I'd be sitting on a stool or something this morning. I just, you know, it's, I don't want to call attention to myself, but I prayed a prayer like, give me one, please. It's Easter. This is not Good Friday. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to be able to stand up today. And, uh, and God answered that prayer for me. I uh, thought I needed it, I guess. But is that really the main point of what Jesus was saying? Or maybe there's something even more startling at work here. And I do believe that there is. And it's this resurrection power. It's what the Apostle Paul talked about. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? We sing sometimes here, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. 
And because of the startling power of resurrection at work in you, you, are do, you do greater things and experience greater things than simply a few miracle stories here and there. You are free. You are no longer captive to sin, death, of the devil. You get to experience that personally, and you get to help others experience it as well. And that is a greater thing, yes. a far greater thing than even those wonderful miracles Jesus did in healing the, in healing the lame and things like that. Yeah. Through the power, indeed, you think of it this way, through the power of the Spirit dwelling in him, his disciples through the centuries have done many greater things than he did in his earthly ministry in helping others find that freedom too. And so this faith went from a small group of people in Israel to what is now a global communion yes. of saints because that power of the resurrection that has been outworking day after day, week after week, month after month, years yes. and centuries and millennia now. That kind of power Jesus showed us is startling, not just for what it can do, but for why it does it. Yeah. We start talking about power, people get um, uh, yeah. either get a little nervous or they get a little too excited. <laughs> yeah. This is power with people. This yes. is power for people. This is not power over them. The church has gotten confused on that repeatedly throughout the centuries. Yeah. And that's because the sterling power at work within us is ultimately not ours. It's the power of the Spirit in us. And Paul says it very clearly, and that is so that none of us can boast. Yeah. And maybe that's the most startling thing of all. Yeah. So to use power with people and for people will require us to actually love people? Imagine that. To love them. Instead of just wanting to use them or control them or uh, some other way hurt them. See, what we'll want is to see them all, all of us flourish. That kind of love, yeah, it remains somewhat rare in the world today, doesn't it? Rare in the church. But that's why Jesus rose. Not only to make his friends and followers happy to have him around again, not only to make it possible for us to go to heaven someday with him, but also to teach and to show us how to love more fully and deeply than we, than we ever thought possible. Through him, we're risen to tenacious love for a broken world. As um, Tony said, this may be the greatest miracle of all, right? Yeah, because not only the Miracles of power and healing that wowed the crowds and revealed who Jesus was before the resurrection. Sure, right. But after the resurrection now, Jesus is continuing to do amazing, miraculous things in love. And he did this before his resurrection too. In a variety of ways, we just watch him. He fed the hungry, he healed the sick, he released people from spiritual captivity of, of all kinds. He gave hope to the poor and the marginalized. He treated women with respect. He loved little children. He befriended those who were not Jewish and also those who were regarded as enemies. He touched lepers, he gave hope to the hopeless, he spoke with compassion to those who had only ever heard hatred or anger in their direction before. He lifted up the downtrodden. And after his resurrection, guess what? 
He continued in exactly the same way. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. For 40 days after the resurrection, he comforted and he consoled his friends. And he clarified for them and for others what had just happened here. And he also commissioned them to go and do likewise. He told them to go into all the world. And like we know, all means all, right? Go into all the world so that all can hear and receive gospel. His focus was on empowering his followers to live out that gospel of the kingdom themselves. Sometimes it would look like those miracles. More often, it looks like a miracle that may be far harder to find. Unconditional love. See, it's, they were going to do it. Go do this. Do what I've done. Because I'm going to empower you to do it. Don't just stand there watching me, wishing somebody else would do it. You get to go and do this. Go and do likewise. That was his focus then. That's his focus today. That we who have risen with him would join him in that mission of tenacious love. All of us, not just those of us who have pastor titles or who teach or who sing or who lead in other ways, maybe out in the marketplace as Christians. Now see, this isn't intended as some kind of a burden on any of our shoulders. This is a gift. This is a gift that was given to us by our joy-filled, risen Lord. Why? So we can pass the gift along to others. Now, we don't have to, like, go grimace and you know, scrunch up our faces and work and try really hard to find within ourselves the ability to love people like Jesus. You know, wow. I, could st I think I could do a whole other sermon on that one. If we're working really hard to love somebody, we need to stop working really hard to love that person because we can't, in our own power, love everybody. Stop working so hard. Just receive the gift of love you've already received from him. What you've received from him, just pass it along. It's really not hard, and it is so freeing. That love is already in us because his spirit is in us. The spirit of Christ in us has given us the freedom and the capacity and the mission to love in this broken world just as Jesus did and still does. See, that mission of love, it's described in scripture like this. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Listen, not counting people's sins against them. The minute we catch ourselves counting anybody's sin against them, we've lost our focus. We're not looking in the same direction that Jesus is. God was reconciling the whole world to himself in Christ on that cross. Not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message, the ministry of reconciliation. That is the way we are to live in this world, folks. What is the message in Ministry of Reconciliation? Well, you know the answer to almost every question we ask this year is going to be what? Gospel. That's the answer. <laughs> the good news that God loves each and all of us 
the good news the world is aching to hear and actually see in action. They want to see the simple good news again and be able to believe that it's true, like Thomas. To believe that God sees and is present with them in all of their pain and their, their distress. To actually believe and trust that God has come to share life with them abundantly, overflowingly, more than any of us can ask or imagine. And that Christ has risen to free them all, us all, from all deathliness, all captivity, from every one of our tombs, which stands open. So we can all stop saying no to love and maybe start shouting yes to life. Yes. So let's get personal. Mm -hmm. Will you say yes to life? Will you say yes to God? If you are listening to this and you are not yet one with Christ, if you've not invited him to make real his resurrection power in your own life, if you've been holding a hand up and given, well, we've all done, but if you're still holding your hand up and been saying no, there's no better time to change that no into a yes than Resurrection Sunday. Mm -hmm. This is your gospel. This is your good news. You can live. As Joanne said, freely, abundantly, eternally. Will you arise with Christ? Yeah. And if you are in Christ, if you have risen already to the eternal yes of Christ, then yes, you have risen to ecstatic union with God. You have risen to adhesive relationships with those who have shared in the resurrection. You have already risen to tenacious love for the rest of the world that God loves so dearly. All of this is already true of you, spiritually at least. Yes. But you get to choose if you will live it out, if you will live like it's true. Yep. So here's the question. Will you arise in the truth of your resurrection? Yes. Are you ready? Anyone who wants to, why don't we just say it? Say yes. Ready? One, two, three. Yes! 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 yes. 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 Well, we know, we, arise? we know, we, uh, you know us, we could stand here and talk to you about this all day, but that would be fun, and this has been fun, but you probably have dinners in the oven and places to go to continue. The idea is say yes as you go, and when you get out there, when the no comes back, say yes. When you're going yes and no, say yes. Maybe say yes, not now, that's a big one. No, now, yes. Just yes. Let everything be end and begin and end with yes. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to ask you to stand. Yes. <laughs> We're going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to bless you. Just want to bless you. All right. All rise. All rise. <laughs> Go now as God's chosen witnesses to testify that Christ has been raised and that we are raised with him. Do not look for him among the dead, but be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And may God raise you from all that would entomb you. Yes. May Christ Jesus call you by name and go ahead of you. And may the Holy Spirit empower you to be Easter people yes. whose resurrected lives invite everyone everywhere to arise to new and eternal life. We go in peace to love and serve our risen Lord 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Amen. Yeah. Everyone yeah. says yeah. amen, which means yes, my friend. Now, I'm going to call your attention to one quick thing before we go. The five points of our message formed an acronym. Did anyone notice yeah. that? <laughs> That's why all the weird words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah, so. Don't rise as yes, but that's only true. If there's yeast in it somewhere, right? Yes. <laughs> I posted to Facebook the other day, the world is in the mood for resurrection. Is in need of resurrection, but it's only going to experience it if there's yeast in it somewhere. And that's where you and I come in, especially today. Because the blessing said we're Easter people, but we are also Easter people. <laughs> we're risen. of yeast yes. you take as you leave. Just a reminder. If you're at home, find something to cover, put it in a bag, you take it with you. Rise. Let it remind you always to rise. Rise. Blessings. Enjoy your day and our Easter life and Easter life together.